Mapo Tofu, The Best Breakfast Tacos, and Why Writing Songs About Wine is Better Than Writing Songs About Cocktails. This week, we're talking with singer, songwriter, and Grammy winner, Sarah Jaros. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This is the show where we talk about interesting food from around the world. And this week, my guest is Sarah Jarose. Sarah has released six acclaimed albums and won four Grammys, including Best Album for 2016's Undercurrent and Best Americana Album for last year's release, World on the Ground. Sarah has also recorded and toured with the supergroup I'm With Her. For me, I remember first hearing Sarah's music back when I lived in Rhode Island. I was listening to a Boston radio station, and they played a song from her first album, Song Up in Her Head. I immediately went out and bought the record the next day. I didn't think anything about Sarah at the time, except the DJ said she was a student at the New England Conservatory. And I assume she was one of those New England kids who got into roots music living in the woods of Maine or Vermont and going to the various folk festivals around New England like Rhythm and Roots in Charleston, Rhode Island. Turns out I couldn't have been more wrong. Sarah was a musical prodigy from Wimberley, Texas, a small town 45 minutes from Austin. And Sarah and I talk about where to get the best breakfast tacos in her hometown of Wimberley, what she most looks forward to eating when she returns to Austin, and how she survived lockdown with sourdough starter Negronis and hot chicken. Plus, Sarah tells me her favorite place to eat in London and we chat about our mutual love of the city of Glasgow. Sarah Jarose's latest episode of Austin City Limits airs on PBS this weekend. I've seen it. It's great. Sarah's great. Check your local listings for the station and the time. Okay, I'm starving, so let's eat. Destination, eat, drink. Sarah Jaros, welcome to Destination Eat Drink. It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I wanted to start talking today about your recent appearance on Austin City Limits because this show hasn't aired yet on television, but ACL does this cool thing where they stream the performances. So I got to watch the whole performance on my computer. It was really great. But my question to you is, after all these months of being locked down, what was it like getting up and performing again? It was incredible and joyful and also quite surreal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I'm speaking to you here from my living room in Nashville where I've, you know, spent the last I guess going on 16 months. Um and you know, I've been I've been playing a lot in here, but it's a totally different experience to just sing a song by yourself and then be in this room with there was a small audience there. They were kind of distanced. Um, but just to be able to connect with humans, not only the musicians that I was playing with on stage, but also sharing that so much of my musical output over the last year has been what we're doing now on this Zoom call, you know, staring into a screen and playing music, looking at a mirror image of myself and not getting to have that that connection. And I 
I really realized in a way how I had kind of been taking that for granted. Um, I mean, I've, I've been touring and playing music for as long as I've been around pretty much. And in my teens started playing shows and, and so it was just to be back at Austin city limits and not be looking at a screen and be able to see people's reactions to a song or a a lick or, you know, Hmm. the, just the happening in the moment. Um, was just so special. And I, I, I really, it was only the third show that I had played. Um, I had that week was like my first time back playing, playing shows for, for people. And so, um, yeah, it was very magical, very special. Do you have to reset your brain at all? Do you have to recalibrate your attitude after all that time away? I say that because when I'm going, you know, we're fully vaccinated now. And so we're going back out into the world and I feel this sense of stress almost when I go into it, even though I know it's now safe, I still feel a little bit uneasy at times being in crowds and whatnot. Um, How does that relate to a performance for you? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a total recalibration. I mean, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm fully vaccinated too. And it's, it's really great to kind of start reemerging into the world, but it's definitely, I think just on a social level, um, you know, taking some there, it's like this, I'm trying to be kind to myself and kind of forgiving and just approach each social situation with grace and sort of patience, because I do think, it is this sort of weird, it's like as hard as it was for us this time last year to transition out of our our normal day-to-day routine, it's equally as hard to kind of, I feel like just as we were all kind of getting used to to it, now we're having to switch once again. And so I'm just trying to, to be really sort of, like I said, patient with myself, patient with other people, recognize that everybody is not going to just click back into things at the same time and um, just sort of be trying to be understanding about everybody's process, sort of getting back. And I I think there's also an element of there were many, many silver linings, um, hard learned lessons over the last year that I don't want to just go back to who I was before, you know, and, and sort of not just reverting and then trying to, to kind of approach each day with, with lessons that, you know, I learned over the last year. What do you think one of those lessons is that you learned? Just being more present in each moment. I mean, I've, I've actually been, a a lot of musicians that I've talked to have, um, talked about how meditation really helped them throughout this last year. It certainly helped me a lot. I mean, just finding almost just the simple um, act of just having a morning routine, you know, as as a musician, when you're on tour, um, you're waking up in a new place every day. And I feel like my, my routine is sort of based on any, any given travel schedule for that day. And so suddenly to be in one place for the longest amount of time that I've ever been in one place as an adult. Um, I really had to work hard to sort of create a daily schedule for myself. And a lot of that revolved around not looking at my phone first thing in the morning, meditating just for a quick 10 minutes to kind of, you know, focus myself. And then actually my, something that really helped me, I made a smoothie every day. That was like, (laughs) 
first thing, it was just like this comforting sort of thing to do right, right out of the gate. And, um, since this is a food podcast, I, yeah, I'm really into my smoothies. Yeah. So, so what goes into the Sarah Giro's smoothie? (laughs) I have two that I kind of rotate between. I'm, I, uh, the, the main one that I got really into was, um, oat milk, frozen mango, um, date. Um, and then what else? Banana, coconut, shredded coconut, and then turmeric and cardamom and cinnamon, cinnamon. And it oh. just is kind of this like spicy, yummy morning treat. <laughs> I think, I think I'd like that. I think I'd like that. My, my, when my girlfriend was doing the smoothie thing, um, she was more into the grassy ones, like the uh, the wheatgrass and also the um, avocado, which oh, I, yeah. I, I love both those ingredients. I don't necessarily like them as much in my smoothie. Um, I like more mm-hmm. the ones you're talking about, either the fruity-based ones or the spicy ones or a combination of those. Yeah. Um, let's talk about food in Austin because, you know, you grew up in Wimberley. And for folks who don't know, Wimberley is just south of Austin, small town. But you were just back in Austin, and I actually was back in Austin a few weeks ago, and my whole time there was thinking, all right, where do we have to go to eat? <laughs> you know, one, two, three, four, <laughs> all the all the places that we have to check off the list. And uh, I'm wondering, when you go back to Austin, do you think of places where you have to go, or what are your go-to spots? My ultimate comfort food, more than anything, is Tex-Mex food. I mean, it's just, you know, having grown up in being born in Austin, (laughs) exactly. Born in Austin, grew up in Wimberley, which as you said, is just 45 minutes outside of Austin. My family and I just like loved so much Tex-Mex. Also the, the whole Texas, um, breakfast taco, uh, vibe is very unique to Texas. Yeah. Well, Migas, but also just, it's kind of, Sometimes outside of Texas, you'll get these breakfast tacos and it's, it's just not the same. There's something about it being wrapped in tinfoil that kind of <laughs> congeals it all together. <laughs> I, I think it's, the, yeah, the tinfoil keeps that steam in there and that, and that helps, exactly. helps keep it. Yeah, I agree. Where, where's your favorite place to go for breakfast tacos in Austin? Do you have a spot? In, well, it's interesting because, you know, since I've lived in Austin you know, I haven't lived there in over 10 years now. And so obviously the food scene in Austin has just exploded in that time away. So a lot of my favorite places in Austin are are not by any means like the trendy or cool places, which I'm also, I have that side of me, which I'm, I'm sort of like a foodie and I like to follow what the, the exciting new chefs and, and all of those things. But Honestly, my go-to, like when I land, I haven't been able to do it this last year, obviously, but, um, you know, before, before this last year, when I land in Austin, my first stop is usually Trudy's Texas Star Bar, um, which is near the UT campus. Um, and it's, it's kind of my favorite, like the combination of their queso and their, um, Mexican martini, which is basically just a margarita, but served in a martini glass with an olive. <laughs> um, 
that's just like my favorite thing to do. Like when, when first getting into to Austin and a, and a can of old style on this or uh, old style. I was just talking to someone about Chicago <laughs> and old styles, the beer there. I meant Lone Star. Of course, we're talking about Lone Texas. Star <laughs> and, and exactly. a can of Lone Star. Um, yes. Where do you stand on torchies? I, well, I have to be careful what I say. <laughs> I know. I know, know people, this is, this can be divisive. A lot of people love torchies. It's personally never been my favorite. I think th- this is this is related to the um, the aluminum foil thing that I was speaking to. Like, they, they're a little too big and like kind of overflowing. I find like I the the best. Honestly, if you talk to people in Wimberley, like the best breakfast tacos are at the Diamond Shamrock gas station. Like like literally, they they. Those are the best ones in town. Also, Mima's would be the, the that was kind of the place that I frequented the most in Wimberley, and that you know all the high school students would ha- start their day at Mima's breakfast tacos. And so Torchies, they're almost just too big. Like there's kind of a smaller element of of the breakfast taco that I think is important. I agree with you because when I go to Torchies, I always get extra tortillas, and then I take half of it and I put it in the extra tortilla and smart. Yeah, that's that's my move with torchies. So there's that's also smart. there's a new place we have we haven't lived in Austin in in a several years, but there's a new place called the Beer Plant, which is in a Ooh. strip mall next to Austin, one of the Austin Pets Alive places. So very unassuming oh. place. Nice selection of beers. I think it's new, and um, they have a lot of vegetarian stuff. We got some kind of vegetarian sandwich. I think I got a portobello. It was really I was. I was really happy, really pleased with how it was and all the new places. Awesome. That's that's the other thing. Do you go to your classic places that you love or do you go to these new places that are getting all the all the buzz? It's it's the conundrum that you have to face as a foodie. Totally. During the lockdown, did you get into cooking at all or what kind of dishes were you enjoying making? Did you master anything new? <laughs> I cooking was single-handedly the thing that saved me (laughs) just, you know, in, in my days, it brought me so much joy and it was really a silver lining to just have. So before I moved here last year, I lived in New York city for um, seven years prior and, you know, classic New York city situation had um, didn't really have a kitchen. I mean, I had, a quote unquote kitchen. It was, it was, it was something, but it wasn't really, you know, one person could like kind of fit in there. It was, it was smaller than most closets, you know? And so it wasn't a very, not super functional, not very inspiring to, to try to, I had always growing up food was very important to my family and my mom cooks all the time. And I would sort of assist her in the kitchen, but once I went to college and became an adult, it was never something that I really kind of figured out how to do on my own. And a lot of that also had to do with just being on tour so much. You know, if I came home and I was home for three or four days, in my mind, it didn't really warrant like a huge grocery shop um, just for me because I was living alone, you know. And so I would wind up and because I was in New York. I wanted to go to all anything, the anytime. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, moving, moving here. Um, it was kind of a the the great thing for my birthday two years ago. Um, my bandmate Aoife O'Donovan, who is 
equally in, in both both Aoife and my other bandmate Sarah Watkins, we love food in a very similar way, and that's a very fun part of touring in that band I'm with her is just getting to to go to restaurants and things. So so for my birthday two years ago, Aoife gifted me. Um, a New York Times cooking subscription. Oh, cool! And so that was kind of my my uh, that was my go to for for all of lockdown was just kind of picking different recipes on New York Times cooking, and just just trying stuff. And it's interesting that the the further along we got into the lockdown, um, the more and more I was trying to make health thing at this. Um, one of the chefs on there, Yawande Komalafe, I think is is her name. Um, she has so many great like, tofu dishes that are just you would never know they're vegan. I mean, they're they're truly so delicious. Um, and that was kind of a fun thing to get into. And then I also got really into the whole sourdough thing, as a lot of people did. I I made a made a starter from scratch, got really into the bread thing, and. Yeah, just just loved getting into all of that. I didn't do starter. I didn't do sourdough starter. My thing during lockdown has been uh, beans. I've been doing beans like crazy and getting into uh, dried nice. beans and how to and how to cook those and how to season them properly while you're cooking them. And that's been that's been my big thing. And also tofu too, um, because I think tofu gets a really bum rap, but if you know what you're doing, man, you can really do some wonderful things with tofu. So it's exciting for me to hear that you're getting into tofu, Sarah. Probably my, the, the thing that I miss the most living here in Nashville, that was my, it's interesting because Tex-Mex was my comfort food, you know, from childhood and in Texas. When I was in New York and I would get home from tour the thing that became my comfort food was Mapo tofu, um, which is like Sichuan, you know, there's this famous Sichuan dish, which is like spicy tofu with ground pork. Um, and you have like the Sichuan pepper, which is that tingly um, pepper. It kind of makes your tongue numb. Um, it, it, it can throw some people off, but when done right, Mapo tofu is maybe a close second to my, my queso <laughs> obsession. Um, and so because there's not, I haven't found Mapo Tofu here in Nashville. So I, I basically have been trying to learn how to make it on my own. And that's been a fun adventure. What about Nashville cuisine? So you, you've only been in Nashville about a year, I guess. Um, and a lot of that time was during the lockdown. Have you made any local discoveries? Have you done DoorDash or anything like that to uh, discover the local cuisine scene? <laughs> Yeah, um, there's so many great restaurants here. It's it's kind of overwhelming in a way. Um, I mean, obviously, the Nashville hot chicken, um, that is something I got really into. When, <laughs> that was kind of the first, you know, for I, we were being very careful in the first, you know, six months even, and, and just doing a huge grocery shop, not ordering out at all, um, not going out at all. Um, and I think the first takeout that we did after months and months and months of home cooking was Hattie B's hot chicken. And I don't know if it was that it was so good or that we hadn't had food from an outside source in so long, but it tasted incredible. And I have to like sort of watch myself with how much we order <laughs> these. <laughs> but then there's just also so many, one of my 
there's two places that are kind of now that things are opening up and I'm able to, to go to restaurants again. Um, there's a brand new place here called Lou L O U. And it's sort of, it's kind of tapas style. It's like small plates, but it's American food, but also it, it, it's almost like a combination of a lot. Like I had a burrata that was incredible, but then also oh, yeah. these like pork, like these uh, spicy pork ribs. Incredible. Lou can't recommend that place enough. And then there's also a place called Folk, which does just really, really delicious pizzas and um, kind of like new American style food, great cocktails. Um, I love both of those places so much. Okay. Cocktails. You know what I, that rings in my head. I wanted to ask you something because I've actually, I've been listening to your music since I first heard your first album, a cut from your first album, get played on a station in Boston when I was living in Rhode Island. But the last week or so, since I knew I've been going to be talking to you, I've been doing a deep dive into everything. So I've listened to the entire library and something occurs to me, Sarah Jarose. You mention wine, specifically red wine, <laughs> in several different songs. <laughs> so I'm wondering, are, are you a wine drinker? And what's your preference? That's really funny. I, you're so right. It does pop up. It, wine is not, I love wine. I, it's not my go-to though. I, I would say that more, my, my more frequent thing is I love IPAs, but even more, I would say I've been really, if I turn my screen around, I could show you my bar. I've been getting <laughs> really into to making cocktails and um, the whole, um, the, the folks at Attaboy, which is a great bar, both in New York and here in Nashville, um, they have an app called Bartender and it's everything you would ever need for, for making cocktails. And, um, so yeah, I, I guess wine just kind of is, I, 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 I feel like I love wine for like special occasions and when I'm having a big meal with a lot of people. Um, and I will say I've kind of been getting into the natural wine thing, um, in yeah. the last yeah. couple months, even I'm super new to it. Um, but it, actually that place, Lou, that I mentioned, um, has a really great wine program and a lot of it is natural. So that, that's sort of what got me on that boat. But I would say my, my more go-to is like making, I, right now I'm super into mezcal cocktails. Um, oh, mezcal. And yeah. yeah and then also a white, I, I love Negronis. Um, that's probably like my favorite cocktail, but right now for summer, um, the white Negroni is super delicious and you basically trade out Campari for this thing called Suze, which is like a yellow bitter, um, kind of liqueur, I guess. And then, uh, Blanc vermouth. So it's, it's not quite as sweet as sweet vermouth, but it's not quite as dry as dry vermouth. And so it's just this really balanced kind of fun variation for a Negroni when the weather is hotter. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, wine just kind of is easier to, to put into songs than cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you would fit in a Negroni cocktail into a song. That might be a challenge for you just to uh, <laughs> to work your uh, musical chops a little bit. But uh, yeah, I've been, I love the, I love the Negronis. I love the Aperols. I love all the bitter. I remember the first time I tried them years and years ago, I was like, why are you kidding me? This is so bitter because a friend of mine gave it to me straight. 
I was like, Oh wow. I was like, no, Oh, this is horrible. But then I, I started to understand, you know, the different uh, cocktails that you can make with it. Well, you're going out on tour and I was just wondering when you go out on tour, are there specific places, cities or stops that you make along the way? And you think, boy, I can't wait to get to that place and have that meal or go to that particular restaurant. Is there a place where you're thinking that's got to be a place we're going to go on tour and I'm going to stop there? Oh man, this is a great question. Um, there's so many, I mean, it's, it's really like, it's incredible how, how many great places there are there. You know, the place that comes to mind actually is in London, the Odalangi, um, Yotam Odalangi. And I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's, he's kind of famous for his, he's famous for his, um, cookbook called Jerusalem. Um, and it's, it's just all these incredible, he, he, he just has this way of using fresh ingredients. Like he has this eggplant dish that is amazing. And so he has, I think there's like three or four Odalangi restaurants throughout London. Um, and there's one in particular, there's a, there's a venue called the union chapel in London and in a neighborhood called Islington. And I've played it many times. It's, it's, it's a stunningly beautiful venue and there's an Odalangi down the street from it. And that is something that's definitely like something that I look forward to when I'm traveling and I know I'm going to London. It's just one of those things. It's like non-negotiable. We have to go to Odalangi because we're halfway across the world and it's the special treat. Um, in addition, I would say the other one that comes to mind is in Glasgow, um, Mother India Cafe. Um, truly some of the best Indian food I've ever had. I've never been to India, so you know I, I'm sure it's better there. But um, yeah, Mother India Cafe, it's, it's the other fun thing about it is that you know a lot of Indian restaurants here in the States you can't try as much stuff because it's like these massive servings of one dish. And so you kind of get one or two things and share it. Mother India cafe is smaller. It's like tapas style sizes of the dishes. So you can go and just like order a bunch of stuff and try a bunch of different things. And the butter chicken at mother India cafe is like one of my favorite things in the world. (laughs) I'm so glad you brought up Glasgow. You know, another Nashville guy, Jason Ringenberg from Jason and the Scorchers, he did this podcast and he mentioned how much he loves going to Glasgow. And Glasgow is also one of my favorite cities. Um, and I think I think musicians like going there because it's a very musical city. It reminds me a little bit of Austin in that you can walk down the street on any particular night and walk into any place and find some really cool music there. Um, did, did you find that in Glasgow as well? I did. Yeah. I, um, I have played there a bunch, um, for the Celtic connections music festival, which is kind of a South by Southwest style music festival in the sense that it takes place at, um, lots of different venues around Glasgow. Um, but yeah, I have a, my best friend actually is from Scotland. And so I have, a lot of fond memories of being there and um, hopefully it won't be too long before I get to go back. Well, Sarah Jarose, it's been a delight talking to you about food, about music, about Austin and all these great places and good luck with the upcoming tour. We look forward to seeing you out on the road. 
Thank you so much. It's been so fun chatting. Okay, there you go. I got to say, I had an image in my head about what it would be like to talk to Sarah Jarose, and it turns out she's even more charming and funny than I expected. And I had pretty high expectations from the start. Catch Sarah on tour or watch her episode of Austin City Limits on PBS. It's airing this weekend. I've got links to Sarah's website and everything we talked about in the show notes at radiomisfits.com slash DED151. Well, that's it for this week. We're in Dubrovnik, Croatia next week with Rob Rose of the TV show Raw Travel. Until then, check out the website, DestinationEatDrink.com. I've just posted a story about the best places to get pizza in Naples, the birthplace of modern pizza. And guess what? There's way more to it than your classic margarita. That's at DestinationEatDrink.com blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and champion Negroni mixologist Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>